after the international. Welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington, working on this program via remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Tuesday, January 3rd, 2022. Six people are reported killed in separate attacks in Jongle State. The population of rural county of Jongle State have suffered and still in devastating situation due to attack by armed criminals from Greater Pivot Administrative Area. And South Sudanese analysts and activists say the government must contain a recent surge in violence in parts of the country. Uh, if it is not contained, uh, it can spread to other areas. Uh, and this is the only fear. So it needs a quick action uh, from uh, both the, the state and national government. We will have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Authorities in Jongule State say at least six people were killed and several others injured, while nearly 1,500 cattle were stolen in attacks in Aurora County in the past three days. The Jongule State Information Minister says residents in several villages are living in fear after armed youth thought to have come from Pibor administrative area carried the attacks. Deng Deng has the details for VOA from Juba. John Samuel Manuon, the Jongule State Information Minister, says at least 60 people were killed and several others injured in separate attacks in Huror County in the past three days. Manuon says the attacks have created panic among residents. In the recent past and currently, the population of rural county of Jungle State have suffered and is still in devastating situation due to attack by armed criminals from Greater Pivot Administrative Area. The incident, among others, includes the following. January 1st, 2023, one person was killed in Thadiuk Boma Pieri Payam and a good number of health cattle were raided and recovered. No, they were not recovered. On the same night, four people killed and 300 heads of cattle, which were later recovered in Tridog Boma of Motor Payam. 31st December 2022, two people were killed in Pulchol Payam, Road County. Heads of cattle were raided and later recovered by the youth. Manuon says three children, eight, five, seven, and 13, were abducted between Pieri and Watt on December 26, 2022. Manuon condemns the renewed attacks suspected of being conducted by Murle youth, saying the incidents might weaken state government efforts to persuade youth to stop attacking their neighbors. On behalf of the government of Jongle State, we condemn in the strongest term possible the killing, child abduction and cattle raiding on our people and we call on the government of Greater Pibor Administrative Area to call this criminal to return to their areas and help us recover the abducted children. Abraham Kelang, the Greater Pibor Administrative Area Information Minister, says he is aware of the attacks in Uror, but says he doubts the attackers are from Pibor. Kelang says the Murle youth are in defensive position because the area is already under attack. Seen I had uh, yesterday, uh, all of us, uh, we government of GPA, we are surprised because uh, we are still in uh, under attacking in uh, arm use from Jongoli. Even yesterday, report my colleague, Mr. Of, uh, Honorable John, they announced that uh, use from uh, they're suspecting our use. I said it is not true because uh, yesterday at five, 
there are another attacking in Likwangole county in villages called uh Nyargeng in from loan where use in uh, from Akobo use I'm really surprised and I, I, I don't I, I don't sure is it Murley because youth from Murley is still busy with fighting both sides. Kelang H is Jongle counterparts to join with the authorities in Pibor in stopping the recurring conflicts among the communities in both areas. Please let us stop awareness for uh, uh, mobilization of, of uh, fighting and let inform our youth well to stop the fighting against the tribe and we government we need to link together and then we uh, talk issues of concerning of our youth and community die for which reason the attacks comes just days after an armed militia group from jonglei state known as the white army attacked several villages in the greater pibor administrative area and oberen gumuru county local authorities say the attacks left dozens of people dead Homes, bans, livestock stolen, and tens of thousands of people displaced. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaiden in Bor. And from Jongule, we move to Juba, where a South Sudanese security expert says the government needs to urgently address the recent surge in violence in parts of the country. The head of the Department of Security and Strategic Studies at the University of Juba warns that unless quick action is taken, the violence could spread. One activist says the government's reluctance to prevent the surge in the violence is to blame for the situation. For VOA News, Waki Simon Wudu reports from Juba. Philip Aguer Panyang, a lecturer at the Institute of Peace, Development, Security and Strategic Studies at the University of Juba says the unity government needs to intervene urgently to prevent recent violence from spreading. Uh, if it is not contained, uh, it can spread to other areas. Uh, and this is the only fear. So it needs a quick action uh, from uh, both the state and national government and the peace uh, agencies uh, to quickly move and uh, identify the actors. When you know the actors, you know the leaders of the these uh, groups. Uh, you 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 call for dialogue. That is uh, the quickest that can be done. Bolden, executive director of Intrepid South Sudan, a rights organization in South. Sudan agrees with Aguer. The implications are wide uh, to the communities. It will increase the the hostilities. The people will be hating themselves. People will want revenge and all of these things. We know the history of revenge uh, between jungle and Gretchen Bor. It's been there for years, for decades. And this is because of these things, these conflicts. Uh, they, they have not been resolved for a long time. Deng says he and other activists have warned the authorities about the risk, especially before the recent violence in parts of Upper Nile State and the Greater Pibor Administrative Area. Deng says a lack of services and amenities such as road connectivity in rural areas, which the government should have provided, contribute to the recurring conflicts in parts of the country. He says the situation forces the civilians to scramble over the few available resources, causing others to use force to obtain. He also sees the government needs to step up efforts to maintain a law and order across several parts of the country. He explains that in some areas there are no security forces to provide security. 
He says there are instances where crimes are committed in one area and the perpetrators escape, although authorities know where they are and do not take action. The authorities that are supposed to do something about it in, in mitigating these things, in, in avoiding them, are not doing uh, what they ought to do. In particular, is the government, the state government, the national government, uh, the parties to the argument. There is nothing effective that is being done currently. Uh, we, you know, this violence do not come by surprise. They don't surprise us. It, it is a process, you know. They come with indicators. There are indicators, several of them, and we have been monitoring uh, each of them, every step of the way, every stage that this conflict, you know, take, and we have not been silent about them. Aguirre says some of the causes of the violence lie in sharing scarce resources, such as land and inequitable representation in the government. The only solution is uh, uh, to include those uh, groups that have not joined the government in the peace agreement so that you don't have any politically motivated armed group in the bush. Then that will allow the government to address communal issues uh, that can be addressed from the grassroots. Uh, all the communities can be encouraged to dialogue. And they have been dialoguing in the past, and they have been coexisting peacefully. That can happen uh, if you isolate politics. Efforts to reach Michael McQuay, the government spokesperson for a comment, were unsuccessful because he did not pick up our calls. However, last Friday, Deng Dao Deng, South Sudan's Deputy Minister for Foreign Affairs and International Cooperation, told the diplomats in the capital Juba that the government does not condone the violence taking place. He said the government is taking measures to contain the situation. We assure you that the situation will soon be contained and war will not return to the country. This is very important. The outside assumption is that there is a plan of the members of revitalized agreement to fight. There is a, a plan that the government is the one sponsoring the violence at the state and, and, the, count, and the county level. I want to categorically say this is not true and it will not be true. In his New Year message released last Saturday, President Salva Kiir warned that the government, quote, will take action against those who will continue to engage in this senseless violence, end quote. Officials say the recent violence in the Greater Pibor administrative area and in parts of Upper Nile State has left over 200 people dead and thousands others displaced. For VON News, I'm Waki Simon Udu in Juba. Academic staff at the University of Upper Nile and two other public universities have again called a strike. The chairperson for the Academic Staff Association at Upper Nile University says the university will remain closed until the staff's grievances are addressed. The higher education minister calls the university staff irresponsible for striking, saying plans are underway to meet their demands. For VOA News, Manyang David Mayar reports from Juba. In a letter seen by South Sudan in Focus, the teaching staff at the University of Upper Nile say they are calling a strike to push the government to address their grievances quickly. Pio Kurding, chairperson of the Academic Staff Association at the university, says lecturers at the university want their salaries adjusted to the current action rate of the local currency against the U.S. dollar. 
Speaking to South Sudan in focus this morning, Deng says they also want the government to pay annual air ticket allowances. Our salary needs to be adjusted based on the current rate, which is 6.29 per $100. And uh, we have another demand also. It's not only the, the adjustment of the salary. We are demanding also, also for the payment of our annual ticket allowances. So we are demanding for two. Additional salary based on the current head of the central bank. And then number two, it is uh, the payment of the annual ticket from 2019 until 2022. All the lectures will be off. It started from today. He says the teaching staff will not resume work until their demands are met. Lecturers at Rumbeg University and the University of Bar el-Ghazal are also joining the strike. Deng says in 2019, the Council of Ministers approved paying for an annual air ticket for all teaching staff, ranging from 500,000 to 1 million South Sudanese pounds. He says the ministers also adjusted salaries for university lecturers to a new U.S. dollar exchange rate when the South Sudan pound depreciated. He says the U.S. dollar has continued to gain strength against the pound, so the teaching staff want their salaries adjusted accordingly. Because you know that the current situation in the, in the, in the rate of the pound in the market, yeah, everything Ooh. is going high. Now, if you go to black market now, it is almost 700 Gabriel Changson Chang, the Minister for Higher Education, says the lecturers are too impatient as the government is working to adjust their salaries. They don't know what they are doing. Let them get it their own way. I'm not concerned, I'm not concerned about what they are doing because they are uh, acting irresponsibly. Okay? Uh, this salary increase or a new salary structure is not a one day event. It is a process, and the process is going on, okay, and they know it. So uh, we are not worried. We will continue with our process until we deliver uh, that, uh, that new salary structure. Changson says his administration held several discussions with the academic staff in the public universities in an effort to convince them to be patient. While some students at the University of Upper Nile agree with the academic staff's demand, they disagree with the decision to shut down the university indefinitely. Jing Majuk, a fifth-year student at the College of Agriculture, says he has waited for too long to endure another indefinite delay. Due to the coronavirus, one year has been lost. The student is not studying for one year. So we expect the, our university not to be closed. We expect our, our university to continue. Though they are facing some challenges concerning the finance and operation of the university, the university should not be closed. If the university is going to be closed, the students are living in a rent house. They will have no money to rent the house, and they will not be able to get back to where they come from. Majo calls on the academic staff to continue talking with the government on their demands instead of shutting down learning institutions. For VOA News, Amanyang David Mayor in Juba. You're listening to South Sudan Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up. 
Former government officials in Jongole State threatened to sue the state government. Find out more after this break. your favorite person my favorite person is my best friend i've been best friends since when we we're children and we've grown up we are in tertiary level and we are still very close and good friends my favorite person is my friend and she's a lady who really knows her worth she knows her values she stands for her values and all she doesn't compromise my mom is my favorite person she inspires me. She gives me the courage to do anything that I want. Me, I'm a fan of basketball. I play basketball. And uh, the person I like and impresses me too much is uh, LeBron James. I follow him so much and uh, I like his game. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in focus on the voice of America. Some former government officials in Jongole State are threatening to sue the state government for failing to pay their salaries. Their representative says he and his colleagues are left with no other option because they have tried in vain to have the state leadership pay their overdue salaries. Deng Deng has more for VOA from Bor. Jongolei State Governor Dine Jokchagur removed the ministers from office last August. They are Peter Gatkwath, a former youth and sports minister, Biar Mading, a former labor minister, Tuong Majuk, a former minister of cabinet affairs, former lands minister Elijah Mabirbol, and Lual Munluak, a former education minister. The former ministers say since the removal from office, the state government has yet to pay their salary arrears and benefits. Peter Gatkwath, the former youth and sports minister, represents the complainants. Uh, the issue is uh, we are talking about our salaries. Because if you have been released, suppose they can pay you, but you work on it before. We have some, we have uh, the money back. Uh, we did the This is the issue. We write our complaint up, but up to now, we didn't uh, get our salary. Gatkwath says the former officials are left with no choice but to take the government to court. He says they tried since August to have their salaries paid. Uh, we set our complaint up to, to the legal uh, administration. We gave it to them. And, and, and the feedback of it, it can it can come from uh, the legal authority uh, because we fail to negotiate with with, 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 the, with the government itself, Jungle State government itself. Biar Mading, the former Jungle State Level and Public Service Minister, says Governor Chagur intentionally denied their rights. We were appointed as ministers of Jungle State twenty. 2021, February 2021, uh, until the time we were relieved on the 5th of August 2022. We were, we were due to receive the salary of February 2021. It's not given. We were due to receive salaries of March and April 2022. We did not receive. And the, the month 
We have already served for it. So it is our absolute right. But the governor sat on it intentionally. Madiing says he got into a conflict with Governor Chagur by calling for him to enforce the National Service Act. He says Chagur has dismissed civil servants and replaces them with his relatives. I said there are procedures. How recruitment is made, how employment is made, is uh, uh, dismissal. What, what all these thoughts are provided in the Civil Service Act. And actually I've been disagreeing with him all along until he managed to, he managed to, 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 to remove me from the office. So why detain our salaries? It is a rebank. Wanted to humiliate us, wanted to show us that it is powerful, wanted to show us that you cannot be advised. This humiliation, we fought this uh, war of which brought South Sudan to be a country. You can't just be humiliated on our right. The man is treating us like he's still a slave. So I feel seriously, seriously humiliated. Madiing says Jonglei State is interfering with the payment of civil servant salaries, which are sent from the national capital, Juba. He says the national government should intervene and push Shagur to pay the former officials and other individuals who are demanding their rights. John Samuel Manyun, the Jonglei State Information Minister, says there is some truth in the former officials' compliance and says the Ministry of Finance is working to pay all the arrears. There is some truth in it, whereby uh, I know two-month arrears for March and April uh, 2022 that was not paid to uh, all the, the, the constitutional post holders with the exception of the parliament. Manuel urges the former officials to be patient, saying in just a short time their salaries should be paid. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding in Bor. Australia says a lack of detailed data from Beijing has prompted a move to mandate COVID testing for travelers arriving from China. With infections in China still soaring, Australia is joining countries like the United States, Japan, and France in ordering pre-departure virus screening for arrivals from China. Phil Messer has more from Sydney. From Thursday, January 5, passengers leaving China will have to undertake a COVID-19 test within 48 hours of travel to Australia and show evidence of a negative result. Officials in Canberra said the measure is in response to the significant wave of infections in China and the potential for emerging viral variants in that country. Australia is following other countries in imposing the restrictions on travellers leaving China. They include India, Malaysia, Spain, the United Kingdom and the United States. The Canberra government has said the arrangements are precautionary and temporary. Federal Health Minister Mark Butler told local media Monday that he was concerned about an absence of comprehensive information about the COVID-19 situation in China, especially the lack of genomic sequencing being shared by authorities in the capital, Beijing. Australia believes that the sharing of information is vital if the emergence of new variants of the virus is to be identified at an early stage.
Butler told the Australian Broadcasting Corporation Monday that Canberra is in step with other countries. There's no restriction on travel from China. All we're asking is that there be a COVID test submitted before departure. But this is a modest, balanced measure in line with countries across North America, Europe and Asia. Pretty much all of the countries to which we would usually compare ourselves have done something similar to what we've done or exactly what we've done. And we're confident it will give us that access to information that the World Health Organisation has said is currently lacking. Butler said he wasn't aware of any reaction from China regarding the mandatory testing policy that will come into force on January 5. COVID-19 has previously been a source of friction between Australia and China. In 2020, the former centre-right Prime Minister Scott Morrison demanded an inquiry into the origins of the virus that was first detected in China. The call infuriated the government in Beijing and bilateral relations rapidly deteriorated. There are also disagreements over China's stance on Taiwan as it regards it as its own territory and China's increased military tensions in the South China Sea to assert its power. Australia has also been critical of China's human rights record, including crackdowns on pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong and China's abuse of its Uyghur Muslim minority. Restrictions were imposed by China on Australian commodities, including coal, wine and barley. Beijing was accused of economic coercion, while claims of anti-China hysteria were made against Australia. Diplomatic ties appear to be improving since the election in May of a centre-left government in Canberra, with several high-profile meetings of senior government officials. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese said in December that while Australia sought stability and cooperation with China, its biggest trading partner, there would also be disagreements. The latest government data has shown about 15,000 COVID-19 infections are being reported each week in Australia. Phil Mercer for VOA News, Sydney. And that's all we prepared for you this Tuesday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you missed this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with the song Sudan by Musa Juma. Sunday, can you be? She 
Peter Joseph Lako General Joseph Lako Listening to Musa Juma in the song Sudan, I am your host Nabil Biajo in Washington. Thanks for allowing us into your homes, cars, and on your phones. Remember.